Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. Uh, my name is Mudiwa Gawaza, and for today, we do get into quite an interesting, you know, conversation, um, you know, around uh, what's actually happening in the poultry market because uh, there's actually been a suspension uh, that happened uh, earlier in the month now of punitive anti-dumping measures against, you know, five countries found to have been dumping bone-in chicken in South Africa and uh, that had dealt a blow to you know to the grind uh, that has gone into the poultry master plan over the past two years we reported as business day on this um, you know at the time when it happened but right now what we want to do is to get into you know a deeper conversation just around what you know all of this actually means you know firstly for the poultry industry but also at the same time for the people that are pro that are consuming uh you know those poultry products uh that is uh, you know the consumers uh both locally and internationally and to help us to unpack um all of these we have um, an esteemed panel uh that's going to help us uh, to crack through everything that's going on first we're joined by donald mckay who is the ceo of xa global trade advisors and then uh, we're also joined by uh, paul matthew who is the ceo of uh, south africa's Association of Meat Importers and Exporters. Um, Paul was actually with us, um, you know, a couple of months ago when we were talking about the impact um, of uh, the economy, of inflation, rising meat prices, etc., on people's uh, uh, meat choices. Uh, but now we're shifting gears to, you know, to chat about, you know, what's going on on the other side um, of this decision by government. Donald, I think I'm going to start with you today, you know, to just get a sense of, you know, we get the news, uh, but maybe you could, uh, from your purview, you are coming, as I said, uh, you know, as a, as a global trade advisor, um, the news itself, right? How are you looking at the news? What sticks out to you? What's important here? Uh, just, uh, you know, for your specific uh, stakeholder group. Yeah, so I think what. What's happened here that's really unusual is for the first time, we've had an explicit consideration of public interest in an anti-dumping case. So in the past, if ITAC found that there was dumping and the dumping was causing material injury, uh, that would pretty much be that and, and you would get a duty. In this particular case, the minister has said, using his powers to decide when to implement uh, he said, I'm going to postpone the implementation in the public interest, concerned about inflation and all the rest of it. So it introduces a, a very new dynamic to these investigations, which I think is important. Um, there are many other countries that have public interest as an explicit consideration, but we don't. And I, I think it's an interesting development um, and no doubt will, will be exhibited in other kinds of investigations as well. Thanks so much for that. And I think just a quick follow-up before we hear from Paul is to just get your sense on, uh, you know, something like this, I guess, from a, from a trade point of view, which uh, particular types of groups, what does it do for South Africa's trade of, uh, of chicken, um, you know, in and out of South Africa? Yeah. So w what, what would have happened if this didn't occur? In other words, if the duties had been imposed, is that the price of chicken would have risen. Um, by not imposing the duties, that price rise 
will probably not happen or it will be deferred un until the duties are later reposed. That's probably the most immediate effect. It isn't going to bring the price of duties uh, of chicken down, but it would certainly slow down any increases that um, that would have come through. All right, I, I think I think that uh, certainly makes sense um, on that end, Paul. Um, you know your take, uh, you know from uh, you know from uh, meat importers and exporters' uh, point of view. Where do you guys stand, uh, you know, on this decision? So, Madiwe, yeah, it it for the association and just what uh, Donald was referring to as well. It was very interesting for us to to um, hear on the first of August what the minister's decision was. Obviously, it came to us as as as, as a surprise because um, usually um, in, in sort of previous applications is that um, you know it's it's usually quite a quick uh, a process on these. So so usually you get a uh, an idea of what the uh, tariffs are going to be and then they implement it. So we were quite taken back. Um, obviously, we we had prior to all this, we had approached the minister. Um, to request that we have uh, a moratorium, and we discussed this last time we met, of a three-year period on, on all the tariffs. Um, we got no response from the minister's office on that. Uh, we also called for no vet on, on uh, poultry. Um, so, yeah, so we were very surprised, but obviously very relieved that we were able, um, through public, I think, uh, uh, um, interest as well in this anti-dumping to to get a 12-month relief um, because, you know, exactly what Donald is saying is that we should not see uh, the prices of poultry uh, go up now. So I think for the South African consumer, that, that, that's, that, that's great. But I think there, there's still a lot of work to be done in this. I mean, um, you know, Donald can give you the more technical, um, as Amy's uh, a trade advisor, um, more uh, technical detail into what needs to be done but um yeah it's 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 a great relief i think for um for the consumer but i think we must also keep in mind is that we see in the public domain that these tariffs have been suspended but we need to keep in mind two important things one is that there is still a general duty of 62% that is enforced um, and the countries like um, Brazil and them still have, have to pay that. And then if you look at the EU side, in terms of uh, avian influenza, I mean, Europe is closed. So you'd ask Donald what the situation was with, with um, trade, and, and uh, we've been working through the latest figures that we get from SARS. So just... On uh, chicken imports, and this is excluding what we call MDM, which is the uh, mechanical debone meat portion. But just in the the the, the um, imports of poultry, and if you look at uh, June twenty one to June twenty two, we already as an industry are twenty eight point six one percent down. So um, a lot of those markets that the local producers were pointing fingers at about dumping. Um, have been closed. So yeah, it's 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 quite an interesting situation. No, an interesting situation indeed. Uh, like you said, you're caught a bit unaware, but at least uh, there is that relief that's been brought in by the by the minister for the association. But one of the things I'm quite curious about, um, you guys keep talking about, uh, you know, this. Uh, increasing prices and donald your take on this because in economics right we know that 
when it comes to some of these issues, particularly inflation, it's like a boiling pot. And uh, when you have a protectionist uh, measure such as this, it's simply putting a lid over a boiling pot and, you know, this pressure that builds up and uh, one of the big risks is always that you know when you take off the lid um, that there's going to be a lot of steam you know that erupts from the pot and in this particular case you say to yourself okay fine um, you've you've put this measure in uh, you sort of keep prices from rising right now but is there a risk that if the minister is to you know run through uh, this 12-month period that uh, whenever this relief lifts that we might see an acceleration in some of those prices, you know, some of that pricing pressure coming through a year from now, because such is the economy, the transmission of the prices will happen in one way or another. Yeah, so I think the, the problem is we're, we're not creating more chickens locally. And so to compensate for the volume, uh, you know, if the, if the import volume disappears, uh, one must assume there's there, there, there's going to be some shortage and the prices will rise. But there are a few other factors that will drive the prices. For example, we, we have no idea a year from now what feed prices are going to look like. Um, we have no idea what's going to happen with shipping costs and all of these other factors that also drive the prices. So it's not uh, – and, of course, things like the exchange rate. So th- there are a number of other factors that this – you know, it would exacerbate those other factors. But the other factors are, of course, not suspended while while the, the anti-dumping duties have been suspended. Um, so, you know, do I think the prices will go up? Probably. If the minister does lift the ban at the end of 12 months and he, he puts the anti-dumping duties in, um, then sure, I, it would be surprising if the prices didn't go up. Yeah, yeah, it, it it certainly would, and especially given uh, you know, like what you said, they unfortunately neither of us has that crystal ball uh, to be able to know what you know some of those uh, pressures will be like in other parts um, of uh, the poultry the poultry supply chain. Um, but Paul, uh, one of the things I'm quite interested, uh, and I'm sure people uh, would be keen to understand, is you know just now you were talking about you your, you know, mechanical type of chicken, etc. What are the different chicken groups? Because I think for the normal consumer, you walk into pick and pay, checkers, woolies, wherever you get your chicken, your your local market, whatever it is, and you're like, you know, I want thighs, breasts, whatever it is, and you know, you walk in, you walk out. But it sounds like there's a lot of technicality and technical terms in the way that uh, the industry actually classifies the different types of chicken that are there. Uh, just a little bit of insight around that. All right. So let, let's kick off with probably the biggest volume of, um, just in a simple way, of, of a poultry um, is what we call MDM. And that's mechanically deboned meat. Now, that is a product that is used mainly in the manufacturing of sausages, polonies, all that sort of um, um, stuff. So that the local producers do not um, produce here in South Africa. Uh, so it's all about getting the best out of the bird. Um, and South Africa just don't have the capacity to get more out of the bird to actually produce MDM. Now, while on MDM, what's important for the listeners to understand is that when the local poultry guys 
talk about numbers and volume of imports, they are always including the MDM figure into their overall narrative, which is actually incorrect because you have to take that out of the equation. It's not a, a, a product that is, 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 is made in South Africa. So therefore, there's no, there's no protection required. Um, generally, South Africans, and, and if we look at, you know, if you look at beef and, and you look at lamb and, and you look at poultry, South Africans generally like to have meat on bone. So, so we always refer and talk about the bone-in chicken cuts. And the bone-in chicken cuts are your, your leg quarters, your chicken wings, your drumsticks. And those are very popular in South Africa uh, for the South African consumer, where in the rest of the world, it's not such a, a, a consumed cut. Um, for instance, Europe loved the breast meat. So and that is why. We, uh, as Africans, because of our demand, we import a lot of the 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 boning the boning cuts. We then talk about uh, boneless chicken cuts, and those are things like um, your your uh, breast meat and all that. And then we talk about chicken offals. So chicken offals are generally uh, imported, and those are things like hearts, kidneys, uh, um, the actual giblets of of the bird. Uh, which are very popular in South Africa as well, especially on the lower LSM. So, um, you know, we do see a lot of that being, being uh, imported. And then obviously things like whole frozen birds that, that also come in. But those aren't huge volumes coming into, in, in, into South Africa. So those are generally the, the different cuts that, that we, we talk about. But um, local producers are always looking for protection around those bone-in cuts uh, as they would portray in the media as we see as being a threat to to their um, operations. All right. Okay. Now, I feel like now I have a fuller understanding, you know, of what it means because basically um, you're looking at efficiency, right, to say if you have a chicken, how best do you maximize the amount of money that you're actually able to get out of each bird and, you know, you have the different classifications and there's certain things like uh, uh, the mechanical deboning that can't happen in South Africa. So including some of those figures inside the debate is sometimes uh, sometimes skews uh, the argument because that is products that are not being made um, in the local market. So I think we definitely have a handle on that. Now, as we are sort of getting on the tail end of this discussion, one of the big things that I'm sure everyone is wondering, because whenever you are talking anything protectionist, uh, and I'm sure this is something that uh, Minister Patel and his team are likely thinking about, is to say, what type of market structure, you know, do you uh, want to have um, for South Africa when it comes to poultry? Uh, do you want an open you know, type of economy. Uh, can South Africa compete in the global open market? Uh, do we protect local producers and just make sure that as per the anti-dumping that we just make sure that we keep certain imports out or at least deter uh, some of the imports, you know, out of the market? So with that in mind, 
the question and I'm just posing it to both of you, uh, starting first with Donald and then now we'll, we'll hear from Paul, is to say, is South Africa's market in a state where it can compete globally and you just allow the local market to compete according to free market principles or are we, you know, at that at that stage? Uh, because the fact that we're even having this debate means that there must be doubt about whether or not South Africa can compete in an open market um, around poetry. So, Donald, I'll start with you. Yes, I think a number of years ago, the, the world kind of diverged on, on how to maximize productivity in, in chicken production. And we had the one group of guys, which is kind of what Europe and Brazil did. What they did was they said, let's not look at the chicken like the complete thing. Let's have a look at, at which countries want to consume the most of which part of the chicken and we sell those parts and kind of optimize the carcass. And that's called balancing the carcass. And so you can you can buy chicken feet in China for the same price. We buy leg quarters here, wings at a premium in the US and breast in Europe, etc. South Africa took a quite a different route. And we went down the road of brining our chicken. So the, the brining practice basically takes water, injects it into the chicken. And there's a loophole in our legislation that allows for that. So the loophole says you can inject up to 8% water into chicken, um, but it says into a whole bird. And so some clever chap came up with the idea that if you cut the chicken into pieces, you could fit more brine in. And that continued for a really long time. That process of brining, universities got involved, people were developing uh, chemical solutions to hold the brine inside the meat for longer. And in 2016, that whole matter came to a head and it went to court and a cap was placed on brining. Um, in fact, if you read the court papers, there was a company called Rockland's Chicken from the Eastern Cape and they had injected up to 60, 60% brine into the chicken. The impact of brining the chicken so heavily is that most countries will not allow South African chicken into their markets. And so the brining creates a problem. It means we have to consume the whole bird locally. We, we lose out on that optimization. And so if you, if you look at the most commonly sold form of chicken, it's a two kilogram IQF bag, which essentially means you've got a whole chicken cut into eight pieces put into a bag, which means your most expensive part of the chicken, the breast, is selling at the same price as the thigh, which is the cheapest cut in the bag. Um, and so everything around the South African model says you have to consume the whole chicken locally. And consequently, we don't export. And that's kind of, that's the balance of but the countries that export can grow because they they get to have a finer grain view of the market. Um, our growth tends to be limited to what we can eat in South Africa because most countries will not accept our chicken. You know, that's actually a very interesting, uh, you know, explanation of what's going on and the state of the local 
um, you know, chicken market. And uh, especially for you, you guys are insiders, so you, you understand the mechanics much better than the rest of us. And as a consumer and a, you know, a, a lover of eating chicken on my side, I'm like, oh, why not just change the way that things are done um, in the local industry? Um, Paul, you know, your take just around, uh, you know, South Africa's uh, ability to compete globally. We've gotten the very technical discussion going already around uh, whether South Africa because, uh, you know, products, you know, can even be accepted in other parts of the world. But, you know, I'm, I'm just asking the layman question of why not just change how things are done. So, yeah, I mean, Donald's just nailed it. You know, it, it, it's all about the, getting the best out of the bird. So I'm going to give you a more simplistic view of the landscape. And, and this is really coming from the association, remembering that we deal with many stakeholders and we deal with all the proteins. So we deal with poultry, beef, pork, and lamb. And if you take poultry out the equation and you look at the other, the other proteins and you look at the way they are working, way they focus on exports, way they focus on the, on the, on the local market, it's very different to what the poultry guys are doing. And I think there's a huge will out of the pork guys, and especially we know with the beef guys, because that is quite successful. Um, there's a big drive in terms of, of exports. And exactly what uh, Donald was saying, they understand to grow uh, within their organizations, they need to be role players and in the international market in terms of, of exports. When it comes to the narrative of the poultry guys. It's a, to me, a very political game that is played here. You have a lobby group that is set up by the local producers who is continuously in the media carrying on about anti-dumping, about chicken imports. Um, and that, I think, is a narrative to really skew the facts with the, 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 the consumer. As an association, you know, we've set up a site called Chicken Facts to try and debunk all those, all those myths that, that we keep seeing. But from, from the association's perspective, what, what is really annoying to us is that we, we sat down with local producers three years ago with Minister Patel on this poultry master plan. And right from day one, the, the minister said to the local guys, guys, you cannot seek protection all the time. You have to start exporting. And um, three years down the line, we don't export um, into Europe, which is a huge market for South Africa poultry on, on, on the breast meat. And, you know, it comes to almost the will to actually do it. So there has been an attempt to try and access that market from the local poultry guy side. But they themselves have to do a lot of biosecurity, and I think that's a whole different uh, uh, podcast discussion to have. But in essence, they need to change some of their methodology used in raising chickens to meet EU's requirements. And Browning, as, as, as Donald referred to, is one of them. They won't accept that. And there's no will from the local sector to actually do that. They, they, so I cannot see them wanting to get into to the export market. Um, for them, it's just an easier route to, to have governments yeah, talk about protection, 
um, and to to push that narrative and that the industry uh, that the minister just puts on tariffs. But I think, and Donald can always give you more technical. I think what is happening now, though, is that is that it's starting to backfire on South Africa trade. Is that we see it within the fruit sector where you've had a huge problem about exporting oranges into Spain, and I think the the rest of the world who would want to trade with South Africa and, and is quite open to reciprocal trade, but South Africa has this, a tendency to, to not allow that discussion, to say, you know what, you need to take the African goods, but we don't want to receive your goods. We put these, this big protectionist levies on uh, or duties on. And I think the rest of the world is getting quite tired of that. And I think it's starting to to um, come home now that uh, we're going to start having having trade issues. So, for the poultry guys, it's a huge mind shift really to 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 clean up their their backyard in in terms of um, exporting, and um, is to stop this negative lobbying that we keep seeing in in the media because it's just confusing the the, the consumer. Uh, it's not doing the product as poultry any good. Um, and eventually, it'll just become a protein that's going to be so expensive for this African consumer to, to afford that they'll just go to another protein and, and you know, sort of chicken will then just become something that, that that's a luxury item. So that's really a sort of simplistic view of, of the situation. Now, thank you so much for that, uh, you know, simplistic view. It, uh, you know, it gives us and paints a fuller picture of what's going on, you know, on top of what Donald um, gave to us just now. And I'm now very curious, uh, you know, it would be good to get uh, some of the guys on the other side of the aisle, um, you know, on just to understand because one would think that uh, the capitalist imperative or, you know, the profit motive uh, would have moved the local industry, you know, towards some of those, uh, some of the export market. I mean, you're able to earn in foreign currency, euro, US dollar, um, you know, you're able to hedge against rand weakness. You're also able to expose yourself beyond the limitations of the local market so you can sell even more products. So the fact that there isn't that will from the local producers to export as much is it's it's fascinating um you know to say the least so as we end off gentlemen just uh you know one more thing uh you know for each of you donald contribution of poultry i don't know whether you want to position it in terms of the local market when it uh, looking at, um, I don't know, GDP, economic contribution or trade, uh, but just maybe giving us an idea. Uh, we've spoken quite a bit around all the technicalities, but also now getting more bigger picture around uh, the contribution of uh, poultry to South Africa's trade. Yeah, so I couldn't tell you offhand the, the exact GDP contribution, but I can say it, it's the, the, the largest contributor to agriculture. So it's a uh, it's certainly very important, um, and it has very important knock-on effects upstream, for example, into the cereal production that, that the chickens are fed with. Um, so certainly, yeah, I think everyone would agree, we, we absolutely want a healthy and vibrant uh, chicken sector. I, the last numbers I had seen, I think direct and indirect employment uh, sits at something like 300,000 people in the sector. So it's certainly, we're... You know, there's a lot of people dependent on a successful sector. 
Um, I'm just I'm not convinced that protecting the sector, which is which refuses to kind of let go of inefficient ways of doing things, is sensible. Um, and it's not as if the sector has no ability to make the adjustments. I think it's just easier to not make the adjustments um, and and stay with uh, rather removing import competition. Mm. Um, uh, Paul, um, yeah, your take just around uh, the, the the contribution. I'm sure that you must have um, you know other metrics that you can uh, share with us to context, uh, contextualize uh, the contribution of poultry to the market. Yep, I, I think it's a it's it's a very important. Uh, um, um, contributor, and I agree 100% with uh, Donald. You know, we don't want to see any industry fail uh, as South Africans. And yes, you know, it, it, it's a huge uh, contributor to, to the agricultural sector. But I think we need to face reality and know that we are not uh, self-sufficient as a, com- as a country in terms of supplying the demand for, for uh, chicken in this, in, in SA. And, and therefore, we, re, we, we need the imports. And uh, we should rather be working together uh, instead of fighting each other um, to be able to supply a protein at affordable price for the South African consumer. Um, and I, I don't see the South African poultry guys ever being self-efficient to supply. You know, they, they you know, the inefficiencies to getting the best out of the bird, um, as Donald also referred to, it's just the, the wall is not there to have a look at um, examples like Brazil, um, who've come a long way in terms of the agricultural sector. Um, it's very much this blinker approach to to things. And, um, yeah, it's it's we would rather sit around the table and work, work uh, that is more more uh, efficient and, and helps the consumer. And that's what we were hoping for the poultry master plan. But personally, and that's my my opinion, uh, that's a total disaster. <laughs> so that's been it. Very fascinating conversation about developments over in uh, the poultry sector. As we said at the beginning of uh, today's discussion, we saw that a couple of weeks ago, at the earlier in the month, there was a shock 12-month suspension of punitive anti-dumping measures against five countries uh, found to have been dumping a bone-in chicken in South Africa uh, that has dealt a blow uh, to the grind that has gone into the poultry uh, master plan over the past two years. Just getting some insight from uh, both uh, Donald and Paul around, the, firstly, the contribution of uh, chicken to the economy, but also at the same time, what uh, this particular decision actually means for the local sector. And one of the things that I enjoyed was getting uh, you know, some education around the ways in which chicken producers actually classify different cuts and how um, you have uh, the different selling prices, etc., for you know your thighs, you know your breasts, offals, and you know the different uh, you know parts of the chicken, and the capacity issues that are faced locally, um, and the fact that um, we have um, chicken that is not being accepted in many parts of the world, particularly in Europe, because of the way uh, that uh, that chicken is produced, the way that uh, some of those chickens um, are raised, and the fact that 
that uh, it continues to be uh, a bit of a push and pull problem um, around uh, actually incentivizing the local sector uh, to get on board with actually exporting and opening up um, you know the local um, chicken sector so we wait to see um, how all of this is going to develop over time after the protections are done and lifted in the next couple of months what's going to happen to prices obviously that's dependent um, on other prices in the supply chain but um, we also just uh, wait to see how that debate also grows on that end and then finally also just uh, thinking about when countries come up with things like a master plan around a particular sector you know what does it actually take uh, to execute you know some of these things because that certainly seems at least from the outside um, like one of the things that is beleaguering uh, the local chicken sector so that's been it Uh, thank you so much we were chatting um, as I said we were chatting uh, just now to Paul Matthew who is uh, the CEO of South Africa's Association of Meat Importers and Exporters as well as uh, talking to uh, as well as talking to Donald McKay who is the CEO of XA Global Trade Advisors. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. This is Mudiwa's Take. So as we said, uh, it will be good to get, you know, some people from the other side of uh, this debate to maybe come in and uh, discuss, you know, some of the rationale uh, for keeping the local uh, chicken and poultry sector protected the way that they have. Obviously, when you're talking to people on either side of the debate, you have people that have already taken a side. And as we can hear, Paul, Donald and, you know, others in their camp have already, you know, decided that, no, we need to, you know, open things up a little bit, you know, increase exports, etc., which makes sense when you hear their arguments. But uh, we also need to, you know, understand things from the other side. As I said, you know, it's it's not making um, sense off the top uh, for me, but it would be good to understand what's happening. And then I think uh, I'm a person who primarily eats chicken and fish. So, you know, I'm very invested in, you know, all of this, at least the um, economics nerd part of me is um, very interesting to see and hear that, you know, chicken, that there's so much theory uh, that goes into chicken, so much efficiency talk, um, you know, around that. And the fact that um, the different approaches that uh, different countries have taken uh, to how they deal with a carcass, carcass efficiency uh, that's what uh, we were talking about so going forward uh, let's see how things go that inflationary issue we spoke about at the beginning uh, that's definitely something to watch um, and then uh, the other one is you know what type of uh, will would it take uh, to actually change how local producers do things and is there that will and if there isn't a will why is that will not there we wait to see hopefully we can answer that question in uh, subsequent sessions and that's been it for this edition of the business day spotlight remember that you can find our latest podcast on business live that's under the podcast business day spotlight tab on twitter we're hashtag bd spotlight and remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm spotify apple podcasts google podcasts 
Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudiwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail, and this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So, for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.